Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Wow, uh, thank you, Trey. Appreciate that recap of sorts. Um, I don't think that's what we talked about quite last week, but it did give an overview of what happened in the storm. You remember that they listened to the advice of the helmsman and the owner of the ship more than they listened to the advice of Paul, and it got him into a storm. And it wasn't because Paul did anything wrong. He wasn't in sin, and it wasn't God leading him. We knew he was going to Rome, but Paul had a word from God that they were not to head into this storm, and yet they didn't listen, and they went anyways. And now Paul and his companions are in the midst of a storm. You remember we talked about how we get into storms last time we were together. We talked about that sin can get us into a storm. And if you're in a storm because of your sin, then you need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to God, and you need to do the works that fit your repentance. And in doing so, you'll figuratively speaking be casting that sin into the depths of the sea, that it will be covered by the blood of Jesus, and that you will be forgiven and that God will calm the storm that's around you. You may still have to deal with consequences. There may be still things in your life that you have to go through, and yet the storm will stop. Secondly, remember we talked about that God at times will lead us into a storm. That just by simply following God that on the road that He has you, there may be a storm that comes up. But we're not to fear. No, we're to stand in faith, remembering that God has carried us through storms in the past and remembering the word of the Lord that God spoke to us. And as we stand in faith and follow God and keep our eyes on Jesus, that He will lead us to the other side. But finally, we address the fact that the actions of others can get us into storms. So what do we do when we're in a storm because of the actions of others? This is the position that the Apostle Paul and his companions found themselves in, and that many times in our lives, it could be that someone else did something. Maybe it wasn't you who sinned, but maybe it was someone else that sinned, and now you're in a storm because of it. Maybe it wasn't you who did something wrong, but maybe it was your spouse. Maybe you didn't want to end the marriage, but they left, and now you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe on the job, you were doing everything the right way, but somebody cheated on the, the books. Now, all of a sudden, your company's in an audit, and they're downsizing, and they're firing people, and you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe somebody else chose to make the uh, ultimate choice and end their life, and now because of it, you and others, friends and family, are, are in the middle of repercussions from that choice, that decision that they made. You had no power over, but now you're facing a storm because of what someone else did. What do you do then? Today, I've got three things that I want to encourage you with from the Word of God, that if you find yourself in a storm, whether it's from sin, whether it's from God leading you, or because it's from the actions of others, that I believe that these are principles that will help you no matter what. First one is this. First one of this, through the storm, the story of us, this is part number two. What do we do when we find ourselves in a storm because of the actions of others? First one is this, it's take courage. Right off the bat, we need to take courage. Max Lucado in his book, In the Eye of the Storm, tells the story of Chippy the parakeet. He writes, Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, the next he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose, stuck it in the cage, and started to vacuum when the phone rang. She turned around to pick it up, and she heard Chippy go straight into the vacuum. She she hung up the phone, gasped, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive but stunned. 
Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's not hard to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. Maybe today you're a lot like Chippy. You're sitting there looking at life, just kind of staring, and the song has been taken out of your soul. I would imagine that that's what the Bible is alluding to in the sense that the sailors had all given up hope. They no longer had a picture of their future being bright, no longer had a picture of being safe, no longer had a picture of living out their days. No, now all they saw was destruction and doom. But look at what it says in Acts chapter 27. I'm going to start reading in verse number 21 and read down through verse number 25. Acts chapter 27, starting in verse number 21, says this. It says, but after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. Don't you just love the apostle Paul? I mean, I know you're not supposed to say, I told you so, but essentially he's like, guys, I told you so. You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Verse 22, and now I urge you, look at what he says to them, to take heart. Everybody shout at me, take heart. heart. Come on online. Why don't you type that in the comments section, take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Now, remember beforehand he said, I perceive that there will be great loss not only of the ship, but also of our lives. And now he's telling them something different. Why would he be able to tell them that? Verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. i got to stop right there for a second. Notice that Paul says two things about his relationship with God. He says, I belong to God and I serve God. A lot of Christians belong to God, but they don't want to serve God. But the safest place to be with God is not just belonging to God, but also serving God. See, if you follow God, God will carry you through every storm and every trial and every test and every problem and every persecution that may come your way. Why? Because you belong to God, but guess what else? You're serving God. And so an angel stood by him, the God to whom he belongs and the God to whom he serves. Verse 24 saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Verse 25, therefore, take heart. Once again, shout at me, take heart. Men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it told me. Just as it was told me. See, Paul now had the word of the Lord. Not that he didn't have it already. Remember, he already knew that he was supposed to go and stand before Caesar. But now here he is in the midst of a storm, and maybe Paul might have wondered, like you or like I would have, I wonder if God changed his mind. I wonder because they didn't listen if we're not going to make it now. I wonder if this is the end. But now all of a sudden God sends an angel, right, a messenger, someone to tell him, hey, don't be afraid. You're going to make it through this, but guess what else? You're also going to have all of the people on the ship. God has granted them to you, Paul. Apparently Paul had been praying for them as well. And so here, he now has the word of the Lord. See, when you know the word of God, you can take heart. You can be courageous. Paul knew he was going to testify in Rome, so this could not be his end. And you may not know where you're at right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm. 
Maybe you feel like you're tempest-tossed and you're in the middle of a sea and that no one knows where you're at. You don't even know where you're at. You don't know where the marriage is going. You don't know where the finances are going to come from. You don't know where your children are going. You don't know what's happening. And you feel like you're lost at sea. But can I tell you something? If God knows the address of a boat in the middle of a storm to send an angel to Paul, God knows your address. He's got your telephone number. He knows your Instagram and your Snapchat call sign. He knows everything about you. He's got the hairs of your head numbered. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Guess what? God knows how to get his word to you. And as you receive that word, you can take heart. You can take courage because you know that God has something for you. You might be in darkness and confusion, but the word of the Lord will bring light and direction. And hope lost can be regained in one word from God. See, faith, the Bible tells us, is the substance of things what? Hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. See, they had given up all hope. All they saw was darkness. All they saw was death. All they saw was destruction and doom ahead of them. But now, here comes the word of the Lord. My God, to whom I serve and to whom I belong, has sent an angel to speak to me. Don't be afraid. You're going to make it. You're going to testify in Rome. And I've granted you all those who are with you. And now Paul delivers that word to the people on the ship. Now they have the word of the Lord. Now they have a picture of hope. Hey, we're not going to die. This won't be our end. And now guess what? Faith can go to work on that picture and bring it into the reality that we live in. See, if you have a word from God, hey, we're going to the other side. You're going to make it. I will prosper you. I will bless your life. Your marriage will be strong and healthy. Your kids will grow up and serve the Lord. When you've got a word from God that by his stripes you were healed. Come on. Whatever that word is that God has given you, if you have that picture, that hope, then guess what? Take heart. Take courage. Why? Because your faith will go to work on it and bring the invisible realm into the natural and the seam realm. You can have that confident expectation that God will produce the substance of through your faith. But there's a condition. Let me show it to you in the Word of God. In Acts chapter 27, the story goes on, and some of the sailors think that they've got an opportunity to get out of there and get off the boat. And so it says in Acts 27, verse 30, and the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship. When they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion, verse 31, and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. See, there was a condition. Unless we all stay in this together... You're going to die. Verse 32 says that then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. There will be opportunities for you to abandon ship. There will be times that you hear the word of God. It will come to you. You'll be believing God. Hey, man, I've got this picture of my future. I can have a great marriage. I can have a great life. But then as time goes on and your mind starts to wander and things aren't working out maybe the way that you thought that they would, you will have the opportunity to abandon your faith. But the condition is you got to stay with your faith. Jesus said he who endures to the end will be saved. If you give up on it, you're not going to have it. See, the promise is salvation, but the condition is abiding. you got to stay with your faith you got to stay with the word that God gave you. The Bible says do not give up the confession of your hope. 
We're to stay with it. We're to keep confessing. We're to keep declaring God is going to bring salvation. God is going to bring healing. God is going to bring deliverance. God is going to bring prosperity. God is going to bring his pleasure in my life. God is going to bring his goodness in my life. God will reconcile this situation. God will bring forgiveness. Whatever it is, that word that you got from God, don't give up on it. Because the Bible says that we will reap what we have sown if we do not lose heart. The promise is salvation, but the condition is abiding. You will make it through the storm. Even if someone else did something that, yeah, you're reaping the, the problems from, don't abandon ship. Take courage. God will take you safely to shores. Can anybody say amen? We need to take heart. We need to take courage. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. We need to take nourishment. Take nourishment. Acts chapter 27, verse 33, look at what it says. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food. Everybody say, take food. Saying, today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Verse 34, therefore I urge you to take nourishment. There it is again. For this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Now, think about this for a second. If they're going to go and run the ship aground in a certain place, that means they're going to have to swim to shore. You cannot exert physical energy after weeks of fasting. You're going to poop out on the way. You will drown in shallow waters if you don't have the ability to swim and to walk and to pull yourself up out of the ocean. Just the other day, we took my daughter down to the beach, and she went surfing throughout the day, and we, we asked her, do you want to drive us home, you know, because she needs to get her hours in. She's doing that whole permit process, right? And she goes, I am so physically exhausted. I, I, I don't think it's safe for me to drive. And so I drove home. See, it was wisdom. Why? Because she didn't have the physical energy. Paul is saying, guys, we're going to run this ship aground, and we're going to take you safely to shore, but you need to eat because this is for your survival. Food is fuel. And if you run out of that fuel, you're not going to make it safely to shore. So you need to take nourishment. Verse 33, and when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Verse 36, then they were all encouraged. And look at this, and took food themselves. They took nourishment. In our lives, we need to recognize and realize if you're in the middle of a storm because of what someone else did, not just take heart, but take nourishment. Keep eating. Keep fueling your life. Keep going. You're going to make it through the storm. I know it's not fair. I know you didn't want to be here. I know you're weary. I know that it's taken too long. I know that you don't understand. But guess what? Eat because you're going to need it for the journey that's ahead. You say, well, what, what does that mean to me? What does that mean? It means that you continue to feed on the things that God has given you, spiritually speaking. Love what it says in Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. You know, if you've been through a trial in the past, you can feed on that. You can continue to nourish yourself on the fact that God carried me through then and God will carry me through now. What else do we feed on? What else do we feed on? Well, notice, I, I think it's kind of like communion, isn't it? Here the apostle Paul comes and he gives thanks and he breaks bread and then he eats. You know, the presence of the Lord will nourish your life. As you get into the presence of God, see, sometimes when people are going through a storm, they run from church. Oh, man, I don't know what's going on. Everybody's doing all this stuff, and now all of a sudden bad things are coming in my life. Man, God, I don't even like you right now. And they run from church. That's the most foolish thing you could do is stay away from church. Why? Because you're going to get the word of God. 
which man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're going to get nourished in church. You're going to get built up. You're going to have those times of refreshing. God will give you a drink from the well of living water that rushes and gushes out. God's going to come and fill you up here in this place. Don't run from church when you're in a storm. Take the nourishment. Guess what else? There might be someone else in the room that might be going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing that can build you up and nurse you. Hey, you're going to make it. Hey, this is what I did. Hey, we, we didn't think that we would do it, but guess what? God's good, and they'll start to build you up. We need that nourishment. What else do we nourish ourselves on? Let me do a, a little word association for a second. Wait, what if I said the word Christmas? What would you guys say? Just give me a word. Shout it out at me. Christmas. What do we got? Jesus. What else do we got? Tamales, that's a good one. You know you're in San Bernardino when somebody shouts out with Christmas, tamales. How many of you know that's the will of God right there? Praise the Lord for tamales at Christmas. Amen. Amen. Come see me around Christmas time, all right, brother? Praise the Lord. I'm all salivating now. Look what you did. What else do we got at Christmas? Presents like tamales. You have to unwrap them, right? Okay, good, good. We're there, we're there. How about, how about we do another word association? What if we did uh, Valentine's Day? What do we got? Hearts, what else? Love, right? Okay, good, good, good. Here's, here's another one. Here's a good one. What if I said Thanksgiving? Oh, man, overwhelming. We know, overwhelmingly, everybody says turkey, right? Turkey. Some of the Italians over here are saying spaghetti, but... All right? We, we, we associate Thanksgiving with a feast, is that right? See, Paul took bread and he gave thanks, and he ate, and then they all were encouraged, and they ate. There was a feast happening. They had not eaten for two weeks. They broke their fast, but Paul broke it first by giving thanks. Do you know that when you say thank you to God for the things in your life, that you're now taking nourishment to yourself? It's an interesting thing because, you know, in a storm, it can be dark. You can start to curse the darkness. The rains are coming down, and it's wet and slippery, and you can curse that. You can be bitter and angry. I don't understand, God. I don't like this, God. I hate this, God. What's going on, God? And that bitterness and those complaints can come out of our lives and keep us in darkness. But did you know when you start to say, you know what, God, I'm grateful I'm still here. God, you could have let me out at sea. We could have died weeks ago. But God, I still got breath in my lungs. And God, if I was still living, then I guess you're not done with me yet. So God, I thank you for the breath that I have in my lungs because God, that breath came from you. And God, I'm grateful, Lord, that you've got a purpose, God, because if you were finished with me, this would be the end. But God, I'm thankful for the word that you gave me. I'm thankful that you're going to take me where I need to go. God, I'm thankful that when I'm old and full of years, God, that then I'll be gathered to my fathers. God, not one day late, not one day early, God. You've numbered my days. You've ordained my steps. God, I'm here on mission. God, I can walk wherever you need me to walk. I can go where you need me to go. God, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Even though they're crazy, God, I still love them. God, thank you. You know, if all you had to be thankful for was the fact that Jesus died for you, that would be enough to nourish you. When you start to say thank you, oh, my goodness, you start to receive that nourishment. You start to take on those things. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found, and I ate them. And your word to me was the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. 
Oh, Lord, God of hosts, we need to take that nourishment every day. Every morning when you get up, you need to find the Word of God. and You need to nourish yourself. Take that nourishment because you're going to need that strength for the journey that's ahead. Last thing is this. Last thing is this. We need to take courage. We need to take nourishment. Last one is this, is take others to safety. We need to take others to safety, not be so selfish and just care about ourselves. Oh, I'm in a storm because it's what they did. No, take them to safety too. Uh, there was a story of a captain on a ship, and they encountered a storm. The ship started to break apart, and he walked out on the deck with all of his men, and he shouted, does anyone here know how to pray? One soldier in the back raised his arm. He said, soldier, you know how to pray? He said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I know how to pray. He said, good. You pray while we put on the life vest because we're one short. <laughs> but you know, the Apostle Paul had a different attitude, didn't he? He was there praying, and as he was praying, apparently he was asking God for the rest of the crew. Because the Bible says that the angel told Paul, God has granted you all those on the ship. Is that right? Acts 27, 24. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. God has granted them to you. That means that Paul was asking for them. God, would you save us? Not just me, God. Would you save all of us? God, would you carry us all to safety? God, I don't want one of these guys to die. God, they don't know you. They don't serve you. They don't know your greatness. They don't know your miracles. They don't know your power. They don't know how awesome you are, God. In fact, they're serving other gods. They're worshiping idols. Lord, would you save them? You know, interestingly enough, that word granted could also be translated from the original language forgiven. Think about it in those terms. God has forgiven all those who sail with you. That changes the meaning, doesn't it? You know, Jesus said, whoever sins you retain are retained, and whoever sins you release are forgiven. I don't think we fully understand what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about binding and loosing, and especially when it comes to forgiveness of sins. But if you're in the midst of a storm because of what someone else did, it's easy to stay bitter and angry and calculate how much debt they owe you. You know, and all this time that they've taken from me and all of this joy that they've taken from me and all this peace that they've taken me. And we have an accounting and a record of wrongs and there is a debt that we feel like they owe us. They owe me an apology. They're the ones that got me into this storm. It was their actions. It was their sin. It was their stupidity. It was their selfishness. I shouldn't be in this storm, and yet I'm here because of what they did. And the Apostle Paul, he could have had that attitude. They didn't listen to me, God. Kill them all. Let them go. But save me. I got to go preach to Caesar into Rome. But he didn't. I believe that the Apostle Paul said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're out there serving idols. They, they just want to make their money. They didn't, weren't listening to me because they don't know who you are, God. And so, God, forgive them. And here comes the angel. God has forgiven all those who sail with you. See, we're doing life, and none of us does life alone. No man is an island to himself. We're all in connection and relationship with others. There's going to be times that you have the opportunity to be bitter, to be angry, to hold on to someone's sins. I can't let it go. I can't forgive them, God. But God is saying, why don't you take them to safety with you? 
Why don't you pray for them? Why don't you ask me to take not only you, but all those who are sailing this boat of life with you to safety? Guess what? God, in his mercy, in his kindness, in his grace, by the power of the blood of Jesus, will not only carry you through to safety, but he can get them where they need to be as well. Is anybody listening today? Matthew chapter 5. The Lord Jesus himself speaks of this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. He says, you've heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That sounds like sound wisdom, doesn't it? Of course I'm going to hate my enemy. They hate me. I don't like them. They don't like me. They're mean to me. I'll be mean back to them, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You love your enemy. uh, Love your neighbor, but man, hate your enemy. It sounds good. Sounds good to the flesh. But it's not what God says because verse number 44 says this. But I say to you, remember, this is the Lord Jesus talking. This is God in the flesh. He's saying, you've heard it said, but I say. We ought to do life God's way. We ought to listen to the words that Jesus speaks. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I read that verse the first time. I said, God, how on earth do I do that? And the Lord over time has shown me the way that I do that is because I was forgiven a weight of debt. I was forgiven all my sin. And because of how God and Christ forgave me, I can now take that same forgiveness and forgive others. I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do it in the strength and forgiveness that God gives. And as you pray for them, as you love them, as you bless them, guess what? God will take care of them as well. Paul had been praying. They didn't listen. They still incurred a loss. They still ran the ship aground. It was broken to pieces, but not one of them died. They all made it safely to shore. In our lives, you're going to encounter problems. You're going to encounter storms. There will be things that you go through. Sometimes it's because we're sinful. We need to repent and get right with God. Sometimes it's because God's leading us that way, and we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our faith focused on who He is and on what He said. But finally, there's going to be times that we get into storms because what others have done. What do you do then? Well, you take courage. You take nourishment. And you take others to safety with you. If you got something from the Word of the Lord, come on, give God a praise today. God, good. I want to just take a couple of moments. I love doing this, and I just want to give you guys this opportunity as well. I know God's already moved in this church service, but I want to give him one more opportunity to do something unique and to do something individually and personally with you right now, live and online. Come on, don't log off yet. Don't leave. This is not the time to jump up and run out. Sometimes we hear clapping, and oh, ding, 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 it's time to beat the Baptist to the buffet. Let's go. (laughs) Stay seated. Come on, God wants to do something in your life. Let's all bow our heads. Let's close our eyes, and let's pray together. I just want to give God an opportunity to speak right now. Would you take a moment and just pray and ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me? As you're listening for God's voice, he might be talking to you about taking courage, speaking his word to you. Maybe he's bringing to you remembrance a word that he spoke already that you gave up on. And he's saying, abide in me. Let my word abide in you. 
and you will bear fruit. What's God speaking to you? For some of you, God's talking to you about taking nourishment. Right now, just take in the word of the Lord. That scripture that God is bringing to your heart. Maybe right now you want to have a little feast of thanksgiving. Oh, God, thank you. Today, God could be talking to you about taking others to safety. He's asking you to pray for them. Yeah, they hurt you. They abused you. They were wrong. But God's saying, will you participate in my divine nature by forgiving them, loving them, blessing them? say, Pastor, the pain's too great, and I just don't know how to forgive. Just remember that you were forgiven, a weight of sin in Jesus Christ. And as you think about that, just say, Lord, as I was forgiven in Christ, so also do I forgive. I put the offense under the blood of Jesus. I cancel the debt. I uproot bitterness from my heart. And I release them in Jesus' name. And then pray for them to be safe. Pray for them to be saved. Pray for their prosperity and blessing. Father, we thank you for the working of your Holy Spirit. Speaking to our hearts and lives today. We're grateful, God. We hear your voice and we follow you, great shepherd of the sheep. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.